The Start On Demand. On demand. CJOB turns 75 tomorrow. Hal Anderson joined us for our weekly Wednesday visit, and we reflected on 75 years of CJOB. As we continue our week-long series on looking back at a year of COVID, today's focus was on business and shopping. So you'll hear a feature from Global Winnipeg's Joe Scarpelli on Fusion Grill, and we spoke with the owner of Lux Barbecue and Lux Furniture. And we had some fun talking about the funny and awkward places where we have fallen asleep. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is in for Jeff Courier. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, March 10th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Well, McNabb's in for Courier once again today. We get excited to come to work every day, but tomorrow, GMAC, tomorrow, very excited, 75 years of 680 CJOB. And it all started right across the street. Our studios were in the Lindsay building once upon a time. If we were able to open the window behind you or perhaps go out on the balcony which is outside of our kitchen we could throw an egg at the Lindsay building not that we would do that but we could yep. and we would most likely hit that building so it's uh it's kind of neat that our history comes full circle in 75 years with regard to location where we do our job every single day and tomorrow we're going to take a walk down memory lane do we call it a birthday, an anniversary? I mean, oh, I know that was a segment gosh. on CJOB, birthdays and anniversaries, but is it our 75th birthday, 75th anniversary? What a- Can an inanimate, inanimate object have a birthday? Well, you could argue that even though it's an in, an object, that it it's, <laughs> it's a living, breathing thing. It's a radio I would station. Make that, I would make that argument with you. <laughs> so convince me more. Well, Are we going to call it a birthday or are we going to call it an anniversary? I guess we'll have to seek some official clearance on that. We don't need we, official clearance. Let's just call we this- start the day every day. We set the tone here. <laughs> Come on now. Let's be bold. 70- George McCloy would call it a... Birthday and anniversary. There How about go. that? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go birthday and anniversary. There it is. <laughs> 75th birthday and anniversary tomorrow. So we are going to be speaking to special guests all day long. And we've got a couple of surprises up our sleeves tomorrow. So make sure you join us on the start for that. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is in for Courier. We have a couple of stories here about secret apartments. Now, this first one, Greg, came yesterday with a plea from you. You texted both me and Loren saying, look, guys, (laughs) if you never read anything else Uh I send you, at least read this. (laughs) I know I overwhelm you guys. I bombard you with stuff. But this is an incredible (laughs) story. Uh, The gentleman's name is Tom Garvey, not to be confused with former Los Angeles Dodger and San Diego Padre first baseman Steve Garvey. The 78-year-old Garvey has recently published a book. It's called, get this, The Secret Apartment, Vet Stadium, 
a surreal memoir. The Vet Stadium, Veteran Stadium, was in Philadelphia. It stood for about 30 years. It was one of the uh, ugliest, worst stadiums uh, in baseball and football. It was one of those multi-use stadiums. And Garvey insists that he took over what was an abandoned concession stand in part of the stadium. It was about 1,800 square feet, and he lived there for three years. What? <laughs> yes. Okay, so I had a, I had a look at this. Now, is there any corroborating? Like, is there any proof that this happened? No. Like, there's no photographic evidence. No, and uh, you know because of when it happened back in '79 uh, to '81. Uh, I mean, do you ever remember running home or telling somebody to run in the house to go get a camera because something was happening outside? Yeah. Like we didn't have cameras on us all the time. Sometimes you kept your camera in a Safe spot under lock and key. It wasn't something that we had access to. But you would think at a sports stadium, people, that was one place that people did take cameras to. So I'm not saying it's not true. Uh, This story deserves to be published in my mind, whether it's fact or fiction. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and looking at this story, there are several people who, who will say look this happened they will and, yep. and they had they also admitted that he just said i think one of the ways he put it was i just made it so that it was the most normal thing for people to see me there at any time of day and i kind of wonder if people knew about it and just sort of let it go like could the, be like people even people who knew that it shouldn't be happening probably thought ah whatever they, but, no one's getting hurt in doing this well the one of the key pieces of advice i ever got from anyone uh, was when I was about 13 years old, and I liked to sneak into Winnipeg Jets practices at the Winnipeg Arena, and it was just, act like you belong. <laughs> you just walk in. Here's the door. It's almost always open. Act like you belong, and it usually works. Now, acting like you belong and taking over a concession stand and living at a stadium is one thing. What the heck was going on? Is it in New York? Yeah, this is, my dad was telling me about this story. I think on the weekend he mentioned this. Jeannie Mose from CNN, she just does such great stories, little quirky stories. So here's a chunk about a New York woman and what she found in her apartment. It started with a weird draft in the bathroom. Cold air blowing on me. You can see my hair blowing in the cold wind. And the air is coming from the mirror. And thus began the saga. Look at what she found in her New York City apartment. It was freaky enough to send others scurrying to check their bathroom mirrors. All right, we're good. But Samantha Hartso wasn't. More than a hole. Just the electrical. Oh, no, no, no. There's a room back there. Samantha documented her discovery in a four-part series on TikTok. I have to go in. Okay, so if you want to see that full story, we've linked it to our 680 CJOB Instagram, as well as the story of the secret apartment at Vet Stadium in Philadelphia. So yeah, she pulls her mirror off the wall and finds this beaten up old room that at first just looked like maybe it was an electrical room. And then she realized, no, there's, there's another room around the corner she managed just the way she had to get through this this hole in the wall first of all because she tried to go in head first and her buddy was like you're not your hips are not gonna fit <laughs> and it's not because she was uh, too big it's just like the wall the hole well, was she's tiny. going through the equivalent of your medicine cabinet yeah yeah so but she managed to figure out how to do it and there was an entire apartment <laughs> just sealed off back there 
That's that's, cr- that's creepy. If somebody had access to that, yeah. they could they could just come in through. So she said uh, in her videos, uh, looks like my management company is going to be getting a, a rather angry phone call tomorrow because otherwise I'm just going to drop a layer of concrete in this wall. What was uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's, what was her character on Sex in the City? Didn't she buy a second apartment just so that she could build a shoe closet? Eventually, did she really? I think she did. She broke down the wall, but Mr. Big bought it for her or well, something. That's right. That's when they moved in together in the movie. Oh, in the movie. Okay, so it wasn't in the in the series. I I kind of went in and out of the movie and the series. So yeah, I think they moved in, and and she wished that she could have a, a bigger closet. So he he made it happen. He he had it built. So he's Mr. Big. Mr. Big is the man. <laughs> if you want to read both of those stories, watch both of those stories, go to our 680 CJOB Instagram. They really, really are. Carrie. <laughs> Carrie Bradford, right? Sure. Bradshaw, <laughs> I think. Oh, yeah, Bradshaw. There we go. <laughs> they are incredible stories. Mackling and McGarry McNabb in for Courier. We got some clarification, Greg, on something you were pondering about aloud. Yeah, Evan Kim cleared it up. Sex in the City. Boys, boys, boys. In Sex in the City, Aiden and Carrie Bradshaw were moving in together. And Aiden was going to knock down the adjoining wall to make a double-sized apartment. But Carrie chickened out and broke up with him before he took the first swing of the sledge. Of course. Commitment <laughs> issues. <laughs> that happened years before Big built her a huge shoe closet. And... Uh, as I recall, Aiden was played by the guy from Northern Exposure. I think John Corbett is his name. Okay. And then what did Andrea add? Hey, guys. Carrie Bradshaw, complete with smiley, sticking out tongue sort of emoji, had bought a place with Big when they were engaged to be married. The place was huge. And yes, he built her a closet, which was so amazing. She also kept her old apartment to have her own thinking space to write or sleep or let her friends use it for a day off. Confusing, but all unfolds in the second movie. Big smiley emoji. Big fan of it all over here, along with what I believe is described as the R-O. Are, is this you adding descriptions of the emojis? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the R-O-F-L <laughs> emoji. So uh, thanks for uh, the clarification at 780-6868. And also a reminder at 707 today, we are going to continue our week-long look back at a year of COVID-19 in Manitoba. Joe Scarpelli from Global News is going to take us to Fusion Grill to see how things have been going over there. Just days away from Manitoba marking one full year of COVID-19, Brian Pallister says he has regrets over how the pandemic has impacted the province's seniors. Manitoba reported its first case on March 12th, and since then, more than 900 Manitobans with COVID-19 have died, and more than 32,000 people have contracted the virus. In a one-on-one interview with our own Richard Cloutier, Manitoba's premier said the tragic outbreak at Maple's personal care home, which claimed does Dozens of lives and lasted nearly three months and similar situations at other care homes has left him with sleepless nights. The vast majority of Manitoba's infections, more than 22,000 cases, were reported during the three-month span between October and the end of 2020 and came months after months of relatively low numbers, even days, you'll recall, in a row without a single case reported through the summer. I can remember the moment. That, that where I got chills. Cabinet presentation, I can't speak about cabinet, it's confidential, but I can say there was a presentation by our healthcare leaders uh, towards the end of October. 
And you remember that we started dramatic upswing at the end of October. We had kept a lot of restrictions that other provinces didn't. We had kept travel restrictions, as you know. We had uh, uh, kept our isolation education program, really invested a lot in that. The regret you asked me about before, I'll go back for a sec if I can, Richard, and say we didn't do enough, I don't think, on the fines and the deterrence. This was something that once instituted started to affect people's behaviors, particularly I'll say more younger people, where the contact numbers were higher before they started to come down. And that was really important because we didn't have those deterrents in sufficient, to a sufficient degree in my mind, I've regretted that. But I do, I do remember that day when the forecast from Dr. Rusin and those uh, folks over at Public Health was, if we don't lock down, we're going to go to 1,000 people a day getting COVID by the end of November. And we did proceed to go to red, and we bent that curve. We didn't bend it right flat right away because it takes time, as you know. But our highs were nowhere near 1,000 a day, and now we're back down to double digits, and we can sustain this. Our healthcare system can sustain this level, but we have to stay at it. As Manitoba's daily case numbers climbed in late fall and hospitalization rates swelled, Pallister's government appeared hesitant to enact a full province-wide lockdown, despite dire warnings from doctors and nurses that the province's healthcare system would not hold up. There were letters signed by hundreds of healthcare professionals begging for tougher restrictions. Winnipeg Mayor Brian Bowman began publicly lobbying for a mask mandate in the third week of September. The province moved to a variation of Code Red at the beginning of November. You might remember Friday, October 30th, when Manitoba reported 480 new COVID-19 cases. On November 12th, the province of Manitoba moved into strict code red restrictions. I can, on, I can only say that the shock that I felt when I saw those projections, uh, remember that was two weeks after we hit double, uh, triple digit for the first time, October 20th. And then we have a projection, first time hitting triple digit October 20th, that we're going to go to a thousand people a day. That's a shocker. And, you know, the moving into restrictions was hard. It was hard on everybody, but it was the right thing to do. Um, and the supports we've offered for people and for small businesses do lead the country. You know, we're first in that category uh, because of the work we did for the five years before that. Not everyone agrees with the Premier's stand that the programs for business are in Manitoba are the best in the country, but that's his take on it. We will hear more from the Premier throughout the morning, including a look at the education reforms we expect to see this year. Richard Cluche joins us here on The Start after Global News at 8 o'clock to reflect upon his visit with Premier Brian Pallister. Our question of the day at cjob.com, by the way, pertains to the vaccine. We put this one up yesterday morning and the results on does it matter to you which COVID-19 vaccine you get? Because there now are four approved and your options were yes, no, I'm not sure I'll get vaccinated or I'm not getting vaccinated. 49% say no, 33% say yes, 12% I'm not getting vaccinated, 6% say I'm not sure I'll get vaccinated. You can cast your vote cjob.com. We've also put that up on Twitter at 680CJOB. We've got a new online contest at cjob.com, courtesy of Sleep Country. It's called My Sleep Promise for World Sleep Day. We want to help you 
Make sleep a priority just in time for World Sleep Day, which is Friday, March 19th. And that's not long after we make the time change this weekend where we spring ahead. And even though it's only an hour, it's going to be enough of a change to mess things up for a lot of us, Greg. This is where I growl. Uh, Here's how the contest works. Not about the contest, about the time change. Head to the contest page at cjob.com and tell us about the sleep promise you're making yourself. Then on Friday, March 19th, right here on the start... We will call our winner to award, get this, a $250 gift card for Sleep Country. So since we've got that online contest, we're talking sleep today, even though that contest is online. And by the way, if you want details in that contest, we have linked it to our 680 CJOB Instagram story. We'd love for you to follow us there. We're just a handful of followers shy of 7,800. Always like when we get to those sort of round numbers. Uh, even though that contest is online, we still have something to give away today. Two tickets for Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park. We want to know from you at 204-780-6868. Where's a funny slash awkward place you have fallen asleep and this was kind of inspired by the fact that on Monday afternoon because Greg asked me every day so do you fall asleep in any weird spots yesterday because it's kind of a daily struggle I always just try to get through the day and go to bed at like 6 or 7 p.m. never works and on Monday I fell asleep on my floor while I was doing exercises I was on my side kind of doing like leg side leg lifts to you know work on my <laughs> my hip and whatnot and I just fell asleep <laughs> like on my hand on as my elbow was on the ground and I slept through I think three episodes of the show I was watching oh on my. Netflix. <laughs> how do you just, how do you fall asleep like that? Ah, uh, I can fall asleep anywhere, man. It's a gift. It's a gift or a curse. I fell asleep uh, in a meeting that we had here, actually, at 201 Portage. This was two years ago, I think, where uh, there was a big meeting and a flood presentation because the, the flood was expected to be bad. So we had to race down here after our show. And uh, see, that's part of the problem with having a meeting right after the show, because we get here at four in the morning and then we just we don't not saying our job's harder than anybody, but we don't stop working uh, the whole way through and then to, to have to suddenly panic and race down d- downtown and then sit in a meeting in a darkened room where everything is quiet and it was actually kind of relaxing. I fell asleep and I think I started snoring in the middle of this thing with 50 of our colleagues around. So <laughs> hooray for me. But uh, yeah, let's go around the horn. That was Cam Poitras chiming in. Cam, what do you got? Uh, well, I was uh, my first uh, radio job in, in, in Dauphin actually. And um, it's actually was was my uh, one of my best friends actually was working the board at the time and we've stayed close over the years. And uh, so anyways, I was just wrapping up a newscast and I, I do my cue and okay. And I look over <laughs> and I hear I said, uh, it's twelve twenty five or whatever time it was. And I look over and I see these two feet to these two shoes sticking up in the air. <laughs> He had fallen asleep uh, during my newscast, and uh, I had to uh, whisper in his ear, uh, which is what we can do here. And I just say, uh, well, I won't say his name, but I was just like, "Hey, are you are you up? Are you up?" And he goes, well, "Just taking a little bit of a cat nap, I guess." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that is yeah. one of my fears. Yeah, exactly. So, well, Forte, what about you? Uh, for me, it's like I am a person who needs sleep in my own bed now at this age but when i was back when i was 18 19 you know you go to a a party or something like that you go to a buddy's place and my buddy's place was really gross <laughs> like it was dirty and <laughs> so i decided after a few uh 
you know, a few drinky poos. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I decided that the best idea would be to set up you know, three office chairs. So I set up three office chairs in a row, and I slept on those throughout the whole night. Something I could not do nowadays because I would be so sore. But yeah, I slept in three office chairs, and I slept in the office Does chairs. Does that really count as sleep? Well, no, that's more... Did you That's, that's crashing. <laughs> Macklin, you you have a buddy who fell asleep in an interesting spot, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. On Electric Avenue, we'd driven from Winnipeg to Calgary, spring break. We were going to Banff for a week of skiing, and that's a long drive when you do it straight. I can't remember how much driving he actually did, <clears throat> but uh, looked over at one point in our evening, and complete with Ryan Coke in his hand, he was standing next to a pole in the bar, fast asleep, <laughs> standing up, <laughs> drinking, and didn't spill a drop of that drink and so um for someone and i have my hand up right now who can fall asleep just about anywhere at any time of course i had to decide to out somebody else with regard to where they could fall asleep in this segment rather than falling on the sword myself i think i fell asleep during phantom of the opera when i went to see it a long long time ago where at the concert hall when it came to Winnipeg oh, on its run. It was I, such a good show. It was oh my such God. a good show, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I slept through at least 10 minutes of it. Yeah, sometimes those shows are so relaxing, though. I fell asleep once during Nutcracker, not because I was bored. I was just so, like, it soothed me to sleep. It was like in the second half where it's like actually in a dream sequence. It's very, in, it's like a trance. It's got like some of the most famous music ever made in, in that portion. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Braun, what about you? I'm the opposite, and I'm just envious of you guys, because unless it's my couch or my bed, I can't fall asleep anywhere. And the worst was I woke up at on a Thursday at 8 in the morning in Maui, and our plane left at 11 at night, and I didn't sleep a wink. And we got to Vancouver Friday morning, and then we had to fly to Winnipeg, and I didn't get home until like 5 o'clock in the afternoon Winnipeg time, and I still hadn't slept since Eight the morning before, so that that was brutal. I just cannot do it for whatever reason. It drives me nuts, and uh, I have real anxiety about certainly about traveling and stuff like that. And then, to, and I was traveling with a buddy, and he he was fast asleep before we left the tarmac in Hawaii, and he slept the whole time, and it was just oh, just so aggravating. I really wish I could do what you guys do. I I, I truly am envious. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. So here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win two tickets for Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park, which we're going to give away just after 9.15. Tell us a story of a funny or awkward spot or time where you fell asleep. For example, have you ever fallen asleep during the act, shall we say? <laughs> I have. And it was not met uh, well. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> How about at a Winnipeg Jets game? Oh, well, my brother was- Kevin used to fall asleep at Winnipeg Jets games all the time when he was little. Moving into restrictions was hard. It was hard on everybody, but it was the right thing to do. Um, and the supports we've offered for people and for small businesses do lead the country. You know, we're first in that category uh, because of the work we did for the five years before that. That's a snippet from the Premier of Manitoba, Brian Pallister, in conversation with 680 CJOB's Richard Cloutier. We will hear from the Premier throughout the morning and speak with Richard following Global News at 8 o'clock. The Code Red restrictions, which went into full effect November 12, 2020, 
which have now started to loosen in our province as the number of COVID-19 cases begins to stabilize along with the numbers of people in the ICU and in hospital overall. Manitoba business, Brett, paid a huge price during the heart of the three months plus of intense restrictions. Indeed, probably safe to say most of us likely never imagined that one year later we'd still be dealing with this pandemic. Yet here we are, which is why all week long we're taking a look back at how COVID has altered everything about our lives for the past year. For many business owners, the pandemic has created new challenges and forced changes to how they operate. Restaurant owners know this all too well, seeing their tables sit empty as they try and adapt to the changing rules. Global's Joe Scarpelli shares the story of one owner who's determined to welcome his customers back. One year into the COVID-19 pandemic and Fusion Grill's lights are still on. But keeping them that way has been the biggest challenge of the owner's 25 years in business. When COVID hit uh, and we were forced to shut down, um, that scared the hell out of me. Sales dropped while his hours skyrocketed. In the springtime, I mean, I was rewriting the business plan, like not every week, but I mean every second day. And got straight to work, signing up as a skip the dishes driver, making his own deliveries. And it says Scott McTaggart Fusion Grill on my jacket. And they go, oh my God, the owner really is delivering the food. And I'm like, yeah, you bet. Hope you enjoy it. While going weeks without seeing his wife. Sleeping on the second floor of his restaurant. We're mitigating risk for her. We're mitigating risk for the business by, you know, living separately. One year and a new air purifier later. It's working 24-7. Fusion Grill is once again welcoming back customers. And while that may be good news, there are still capacity limits and other restaurant restrictions as we enter year number two. We uh, need uh, people to continue to support us and take out and delivery. Uh, we need you to come and, and check out the dining room and we want you to feel safe. It's in our best interest. And no matter what the next 12 months have in store, Scott McTaggart says he'll make sure there's a table waiting for you at the end. When I decide that, my, you know, to retire and my days are, are, are done in the, in the industry that I love so much, that's going to be my decision. I'm not going to let anybody else or anything else make that decision. That's my decision to make. And, and uh, COVID's, COVID's no exception. Joel Scarpelli, Global News. Longevity is such a challenge in this business in the first place. Brett, Scott McTaggart, uh, he's tenacious. He is multi-talented. And we were not surprised when we learned that he was doing his own deliveries when he joined us uh, last year to tell us about the shift, the pivot, the changes that he's been forced to make and the changes that he has made to keep his business alive. What I didn't realize, Brett, was the fact that he was sleeping at the restaurant. Yeah, that's crazy when his his revenue is going down and his hours are skyrocketing. But it's good to at least know that uh, for these local restaurants, uh, particularly ones that are sort of in neighborhood pockets like Fusion Grill, they are getting support from their regular customers. Like last night, uh, I don't live far from the Grove, and uh, they 
I, I, I swear I was going to make myself something to eat, but then I looked at the clock and realized, oh, it's after 4 o'clock. That's when takeout starts at the Grove. So I ordered myself a, a fried cod sarni and fries and gravy and just drove over there because it's like a two-minute drive. Sarni, sorry? A sarni, yeah. I Can think you help me with that? I think it's just an English term for sandwich. Okay, very good. Thank yeah. you. And uh, because it's a pub. Yeah, so I know that, the, and they, they said that, that they have been getting a lot of support, and I think a lot of the local restaurants are getting as much support from people as possible in this takeout age, but it's still not enough compared to the, the dine-in experience, right? You're not going to make the same amount of coins. So it's good, though, to hear that he is bound and determined not to let COVID-19 defeat him or his business. You know, I don't... Call me um, what what you will, Brett, but with the basically the snowpacks disappeared now, right? The, yep. I mean, I know there are still snows and pockets in the city of Winnipeg. They had a huge dump of snow uh, in western and central Manitoba yesterday. But here in the city and with the talk of vaccines and what every everything that's going on and this new normal that we predicted and that we were discussing for months at a time, months ago, feels like it's starting to set in. And I'm feeling really optimistic about what the next six months is going to bring. And when I realize how many businesses, I know not everyone has survived, but when I see how many have and how many are bouncing back, as resilient perhaps as ever, I'm super encouraged about what the next several weeks has to bring for us. And I won't go as far as to say as I'm excited, but I am looking forward to to seeing what how this plays out. And we'll have much more today as we focus on business and shopping as we look back at how COVID has changed everything about our lives over the last year. Who are we talking to at 850? Our good friend Phil Squarey from Lux Barbecue and Lux Furniture. He'll bring us inside his business and uh, share with us the changes he's made, the ones that will be temporary and the ones that are likely to remain permanent. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is in for Jeff Courier. We are getting a lot of text messages about people falling asleep at concerts. But before that, G-Mac, I understand as well that uh, we have some people weighing in on what they just heard about Scott McTaggart from Fusion Grill. Yeah, Ruth sent this to us at 780-6868. I am never surprised when you guys mention how hard Scott is working. Back in the mid-80s, I worked at, here's a blast from the past, McGarry, Mr. Green Jeans in <laughs> Eaton's Place. Nice. Scott was my manager. The restaurant was staffed by young adults, you know, hormones, partying, tempers. Scott handled it all, even acting as therapist for some. I'm really glad to hear his establishment has survived. Wow, that's a great text. Thank you so much uh, for weighing in with that. We very much appreciate it. Now, we're also asking you to tell us about a funny or awkward place where you fell asleep for your chance to win two tickets for Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park. Greg, where are people falling asleep? Yeah, the number of people who are admitting to falling asleep at a concert or have seen others sleeping at these events as is laughing out loud. Alice Cooper. Jeff Dunham, the ventriloquist, you know who that is, yeah. right? Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Guns N' Roses. Wow. <laughs> uh, one of our listeners says, I fell asleep at a GNR concert. I was working early mornings at that time, and by the time they got on stage, it was too late for me. My husband still bugs me about it to this day. And Dee Dee 
is weighing in as well. I don't know if you saw this from Didi, but she says, yes, I have fallen asleep <laughs> during the act, as I described it. True story. Once the lights go out, I'm out. Told the hubby, leave the lights on. Better to see you, I said. Well, he turned the lights off, and uh, I fell asleep right after we started. So he never let me forget it, but the lights now are always on. (laughs) (laughs) I love these pure, honest, and right from the heart and and true stories. Thanks for sharing them. Keep them coming. 204-780-6868. Your chance to win those two tickets for Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is in for Jeff Courier. And listen to this story on falling asleep. We're asking you to tell us about the funny or awkward spots where you fell asleep. Andrea says, my boss bought us front row seats for Cirque du Soleil. The show was called Ovo. I guess that was a touring show that came to Winnipeg. I haven't seen that one. And she says, the stage was elevated, so I had to kind of lean back in the chair. Well, after a long day at a conference, a big dinner with rich food and a couple of glasses of wine before the show, I was out. <laughs> I was out. <laughs> It'd be like sitting in the front row at a movie theater. Oh, the worst. Isn't that the worst? That's, the where, worst? that's where I sat for Twister when I saw it in the oh. theater. <laughs> Very front row at a theater in Kelowna. I think we'd done 18, 18 is 36. What's another 18? 54 holes of golf. Oh, wow. That day, big dinner. Uh, no uh, alcoholic beverages consumed that day. And <coughs> and uh, <laughs> sitting, looking up, trying to watch Twister. And I'm pretty sure I slept through half or more of that film. Ah, wow. Oh, and by the way, it looks like Oval was in Atlanta. So, Andrea... Oh, Oval in Atlanta. So, thank you for that story. So, keep them coming, 204-780-6868. Also, just got to quickly mention this one, Greg, because it reminded me of a similar story that you endured. Somebody saying, I fell asleep driving my big rig on Highway 1 in Alberta, and I drove in and out of the ditch. It was 3 a.m. Thankfully, nobody was around. The ditch was actually smoother than the highway. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yes, uh, I went down that <laughs> quote-unquote road, I-29 northbound between Fargo and Grand Forks 20-something years ago on my way home from Minneapolis. I'd been in Vegas for the weekend for my buddy's stag. Thought the red eye was a good idea. Fell asleep with the uh, cruise control at 75 miles an hour. Oh. Was lucky enough to wake up and very calmly, coolly, and collectedly get back up on the interstate. I, I still get sick to my stomach when I think about that incident, how it could have just gone so much differently. So we have those two tickets for Zoo Lights. The Cinnabon Park will give them away just after 9.15 based on your text messages. Sound to the game. Winnipeg Jets coming up at 7.55 because game one of a three-game series between the top two Canadian teams in the National Hockey League took place in Toronto last night. The Winnipeg Jets fell behind twice before building a 4-2 lead and eventually holding on, Greg, for a 4-3 win. Yeah, so with the win, the Jets moved to within five points of the first-place Maple Leafs in the North Division. Game two goes tomorrow night, 4 o'clock pregame, 6 o'clock puck drop right here on 680 CJOB. Leah Hextall bestows her hockey wisdom upon us twice weekly on Tuesdays and Thursdays with her outstanding Hextall on hockey commentaries. This morning, Leah joins us live for a biology class of sorts. Let's dissect last night's big win, shall we? Good morning, Leah. 
Good morning, gentlemen. Um, I don't want to be in school this early, so uh, I don't know how I'm going to perform, just to let you know. <laughs> I always skipped uh, the, the day that we would uh, dissect the, the pigs and the frogs anyway. <laughs> so hard, hard minutes last night. Uh, what we saw uh, between the Jets and the Leafs last night, would that qualify as high event hockey? And is that <laughs> sustainable for two more games for either team, um, focusing on the Jets, of course? Exactly that, Greg. I mean, first of all, they're in Toronto, and fans or not, that is the center of the hockey universe, and we all know that. So when you're going in to take on the Leafs, it is event hockey. It's even more so when the Winnipeg Jets are coming off that something that they took in Montreal, which they lost 7-1. to one. And I know that a lot of people were talking about the response and that this was a rebound game by the Jets. But for me, when I took a look at it and the way that the Jets played last night against the Leafs, to me it felt more like, a must-win for the Jets. Not only was this a game against Toronto, the first-place team in the division, the first-place team in the league, and yes, I understand that some question the legitimacy of the standings because we're only playing within a division, but that's every team and every division. So what that means is Toronto, they're the top team in the NHL, and that means something. So that sets up the Jets to go into Toronto and make a statement that we're better, not than the least, but we're better than what happened on Saturday night. And you could see the desperation in their play. They played those hard minutes. They drove to the net as a collective, overcoming the adversity of losing Nathan Beaulieu to a blocked shot and being down a defenseman from the second period on. That collective defending of five that Pomeroy speaks about. And then that scramble at the end. I mean, Frederick Anderson pulled with over three minutes left, and the Jets were giving it everything they had in those final minutes to hang on. And let's be clear, they hung on to win that game. But that desperation level from the Jets players, that reminded me of what you see in the playoffs when a team is that desperate just to hang on for that win. And the question is, to your point, Greg, is that sustainable hockey against such a skilled Leafs team as they get to play them not only two more times, but this steady diet for the rest of the season? So what, what did we learn from this game then after that performance last night? I think what we learned is that this is a Winnipeg Jets team that more than anything has a mentality and a maturity that I'm not quite sure that we've seen in the last few years. We've seen Jets teams that have been very talented, a team that went to the Western Conference Final and was a heartbeat away from making the Stanley Cup Final and probably would have defeated Washington that year for the Cup. But they didn't quite have it then. They didn't quite have the room yet, in my opinion. And this is a different team. And you've heard the captain, Blake Wheeler, speak about how good it feels within the room right now. And this group right now, I've talked about this on my Hex on Hockey, about the buy-in, about that they're all on the same page. And I know that people look at those as cliches in hockey, but you cannot do what the Winnipeg Jets did last night after coming off a game on Saturday Going into facing a first-place team, the best team in the league in Toronto, a skilled, skilled team. I don't know about you guys, but I enjoyed watching the Leafs last night. They are a very skilled group. But go in there and not only win the game, but play your style. They didn't allow the Leafs to dictate a skilled game. Yes, the Winnipeg Jets have skill. I'm not saying that they don't, but what they did is they played hard hockey. Look at that Mason Appleton goal. That's driving right to the net. Let's go hard at it. That's hard hockey, and that's what they, as the Jets, will have to do in order to upend the Toronto Maple Leafs and skilled teams of that level. Yeah, Leo, it was difficult not to imagine how much salary was on the ice at different times last <laughs> night when the top two lines for each team were, were facing off against one another and running around. Uh, a lot 
lot of the time in the in the Jets jo- zone, but it was a play by Blake Wheeler on that go-ahead goal from Josh Morrissey that had me literally stand up last night and scream at my TV in joy that Blake Wheeler was back. Go back and look at that uh, replay if you haven't seen it. He doesn't get an assist on the play, but he sprints from his left to his right and takes the puck away from the Toronto defender, sends it back to the point, and, well, the puck ends up in the back of the net. And speaking of the net, Connor Hellebuck was all-world last night. He definitely was, and I don't think anybody is surprised because when we talk about rebound, that's what happened last night. That was a rebound game for the goaltender, but with the compete level of Connor Hellebuck, you knew that was going to come in. But I have to say, Greg, it was interesting to me because that first goal off Zach Hyman after he scored, Hellebuck was sprawled on his stomach in a spread eagle and almost looked defeated in that moment. And I thought, oh, no, here we go. Is this going to be a continuation of Saturday night? But what I loved is how dialed in he got. And you saw it in the second period once again against Hyman, a great little save off of his left pad. But then in the third period, that's where he really came alive. I mean, Mitch Marner right in front of him in his paint. John Tavares multiple times when there was the empty net. You talk about that salary. You talk about the skill for the lease. Those are your money makers. And he was able to stop them twice. He wasn't able to do so against Austin Matthews, who now has 20 goals on the season, NHL league leading on pace to get about 44 this year uh, unbelievable player in that Matthews but I have to tell you Connor Halbuck really stepped up and I think that's important to note because that's what you need your goaltenders to do you know your goaltenders can have a stinker but they have to come back the next mm-hmm. game and that means the Jets are in very good shape because if your goaltender has the mental not so much the skill but the mental capacity to do that that's how you know that they are a strong positional goaltender and you know you think that maybe being nominated for the Vesna two times over the last three years and winning them would be enough to do that but Connor Helbig still seems to get that criticism that you know he's not one of those elite goaltenders but we heard Paul Maurice speak very differently about that in his post-game comments and I think it's about time uh, that's realized because Connor Helbig is the cornerstone of this Jets team. Leah Hextall joins us live every so often for our weekly Jets chats, and you can hear her every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 6.55 in the start for Hextall on hockey. Leah, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a wonderful day. We'll chat soon. Just days away from Manitoba marking that one full year of COVID-19, Brian Pallister says he has regrets over how the pandemic has impacted the province's seniors. Manitoba reported its first case of COVID-19 on March 12, 2020. Since then, more than 900 Manitobans with COVID-19 have died and more than 32,000 people have contracted the virus. In a one-on-one interview with our own Richard Cluche, Manitoba's Premier said the tragic outbreak at Maple's personal care home, which claimed dozens of lives and lasted nearly three months and similar situations at other care homes has left him with sleepless nights. The Premier reflects on things he would change. And you remember that we started dramatic upswing at the end of October. We had kept a lot of restrictions that other provinces didn't. We had kept travel restrictions, as you know. We had uh, uh, kept our isolation education program, really invested a lot in that. The regret you asked me about before, I'll go back for a sec if I can, Richard, and say we didn't do enough, I don't think, on the fines and the deterrence. This was something that, once instituted, started to affect people's behaviors, particularly, I'll say, more younger people. 
Co-host of the news with Julie Buckingham, heard from 3 till 6 p.m. weekdays on 680 CJOB. Joins us now, Richard Cloutier, a candid, if not relaxed, Premier Palster and that clip. And can I guess throughout your time with him? Yeah, we had a 30-minute sit-down, probably another 15 minutes with uh, with all the setup and, and teardown. And we hadn't seen each other, you know, one-on-one for, well, over a year like everything else. And I think... Um, he's getting at that point where, you know, he's not ready to pull the plug yet as premier, but he certainly has a lot to say, not just on pandemic, but on some of the other government files. So we spend about half the interview on the pandemic, the other half on some of the pressing issues, and there'll be announcements in the days ahead. But yeah, contrite at times, how can you not be contrite when we've lost over 900 people to the pandemic and certainly um, it hit our care homes a lot harder than anticipated. So um, while politicians will defend their actions in times of pandemic, you cannot defend this. You can only say that hopefully we would do better and he has promised a whole lot better. And I think in that since October, November, this government has delivered and that's why there is a certain reluctance now to get out of red uh, simply because they do not want October and November to happen again. Well, and you know, it's interesting because uh, I think some people will question whether or not it was enforce- enforcement which changed Manitoban's behaviours in November. I-, I think the Premier, if he was being honest with himself, might have confessed that it was that contentious mask mandate uh, it was a tipping point or perhaps that uh, emphasized plea that we saw at Christmas. If we'd seen that at Thanksgiving for Manitobans to stay away from one another, things perhaps might have been different in November and December, Richard. Yeah, maybe so, but I don't think you can ask until you're in the thick of it. Um, he said that we didn't get uh, lazy or cocky during the summer, but certainly a lot of us looked around at other jurisdictions and said, hey, we've got it pretty good here in Manitoba. And um, I don't think um, a whole lot of us expected that second wave to hit personal care homes as hard as it did. Again, we armchair quarterback and we look at this and yes, all the telltale signs were there. But, um, you know, enforcement is difficult to do when you don't have the numbers that we had last summer. Of course, ahead, as you mentioned, Rich, for non-COVID issues, like education reform was also on the agenda. Here's 30 seconds of what he had on that. Strengthening the base of our education system so families can have greater involvement and input. The top is too big. And it isn't getting the results we want. Tenth out of ten in the country and consistently getting further behind ninth is not something that any of us should be unwilling to see change. So do you take those dollars and reinvest them? Move them to the classroom where the kids are. And and you'll be able to see that when you announce the education reforms. You'll be able to say, we've been spending millions here. We're going to spend millions here instead in the front lines. Absolutely, because that's what has to happen. And Richard, you'll be sharing more from your interview with the Premier. What are we going to hear today and when will we hear it? Uh, A little bit later on in the three o'clock hour, we'll talk a little bit about some of the changes uh, that uh, they're looking at doing on, on hydro and some other files and continuing on his reflections on the pandemic, guys. Richard Cloutier, joining us live on 680 CJOB, co-host of the news from 3 until 6 p.m. with Julie Buckingham. Uh, aside from days where there aren't Jets games, tomorrow, for example, Jets pregame will be at 4, but today the news will be on from 3 until 6.
Mackling and McGarry McNabb in for Jeff Courier. Another great text at 204-780-6868 in the awkward or weird places you have fallen asleep. This listener says, in the 80s, I had zero to offer during my college history final exam. I dozed off and fell out of my desk onto the floor. <laughs> Needless to say, I did not pass. <laughs> I would say he had plenty to offer the uh, 100 plus or so people that were probably writing that same exam in the auditorium or wherever he was. <laughs> <laughs> Keep those texts coming. We'll give away those two tickets for Zoo Lights coming up after 9.15. That's for Assiniboine Park. But, Greg, it's Wednesday at 8.37, which means what? The 34th greatest Canadian of all time, Hal Anderson. Hal, good morning. We want to uh, talk about a different number that's coming upon us tomorrow that number is 75 yes can you believe the mighty cjob the 50,000 watt blowtorch is turning 75 tomorrow crazy it is crazy when i when i we got the note last week that this was coming up i thought wow 75 years that's uh this is mm-hmm. not just a radio station it's an in- institution is it Jeff it Courier's is. work anniversary tomorrow as well? Does that coincide <laughs> somehow? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it, it, but listen, I, and I was just kind of doing some quick math here while I was uh, waiting to come on with you guys. Uh, I have been in the building. Not now. We're at two hundred one Portage now, but at nine thirty Portage, I was in that building, and and I guess I'm in the building you're in now. Uh, for twenty five years, and of course, I did mornings with BJ on Power ninety seven, but I always listen to cjob it was my favorite radio station even when i was on power 97 i know that sounds terrible to say that i loved power and the people that i broadcast to every morning with bj but ob was i was just a big talk radio fan uh when larry king passed recently i talked about it on my social media feeds my dad used to have his transistor radio by his bed and he'd listen you know get those stations out of the states on skip and listen to larry king and you know bruce williams and all those guys and i became a talk radio fan so when i was able to move to the big air chair uh at cjob and and do the morning show i mean you guys know um, how lucky we are uh, to sit in this chair and to broadcast on this incredible station. Well, and I remember, too, when Larry Opdyke left the, the station and they were looking for his, you know, the heir apparent, mm. I, I thought, I wonder if Hal would make the jump from power. Yeah. And then I think it was like two days later where the announcement was made, and I thought, ah, right on, yeah! Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and Garth Butchko and and Vic Grant, they they had to convince me. I'll be honest with you, because I was pretty happy at Power, um, but I I mean it was a great move, and and uh, I love doing what I'm doing now. And it's but it, when you think about the history, and tomorrow on my show, my old pal Brian Barkley is going to join me because he's probably worked with more people over the years at CGOB than just about anybody else. But can I give you a a quick sneak uh, tease here as to what I'll have tomorrow? Mm -hmm. I've been in the building for 25 years. Uh, You know, since I came to Winnipeg in 89, I've listened to CGOB. I have never, ever, people have given me old CGOB albums because Red Alex put it out, out an album years ago and stuff. I have obtained, literally yesterday, or I guess it was the day before yesterday, I have obtained audio, about 20 minutes of it, from the 40th anniversary of CJOB. Wow. In 1986, I have never heard it before. It is incredible, and I will be sharing much, if not all, of that on my show 
tomorrow. So the from from the 40th anniversary, and yeah, CGOB has an incredible history, and some of the greatest broadcasters in the world uh, have worked on this station. Well, I try not to think about whose chair we're sitting in every morning because it's overwhelming. And, you know, it's the voice of Winnipeg. And I grew up listening to CJOB. I've told the stories many a time. But, Hal, I love, you know, when you did the morning show, I loved how you paid homage to the former hosts and brought back beefs and bouquets. and and I phoned and asked Red Alex for permission to bring back beefs and bouquets because it was his. Uh, and it was such an institute. Yeah, I, I had to phone and, and make sure it was okay with him. And he goes, I remember him calling me kid. Yeah, you go for it, kid. Sure, kid. You know? It's uh, like, yeah, uh, it was great. It was like uh, pulling down a jersey number from the rafters. Right. right? Something that yeah. had been retired. And you pay homage, I think, to Peter Warren with your let's get right down to business. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so there are so many people uh, that, you know, we're going to be reaching out to tomorrow, but I know it's going to relive and restart and rekindle a lot of memories for our listeners because it takes you right back to the kitchen when your mom was cooking up bacon and eggs mm-hmm. or telling you to pour your own damn cereal or what yeah. somewhere in between. And, you know, Red Alex ringing the bell for school and it. You know, we talk about the music being the soundtrack of our lives. For a lot of people, CJOB is the soundtrack of their lives. It was just always on, right? And I mean, I'm not from here. I'm from southern Alberta. So I came in 89, and I realized right away. And then as you start working in the building, and then when I ended up on CJOB, um, you start hearing the stories, people going, I never thought I'd listen to CJOB. My parents listened to it. I hated it. And now I listen every day, and I love it. You have to give that wink to the past, I think. you know, When there's such a rich history with an institution like CJOB, you have to. You can't just keep moving ahead and forget about the past. You have to. And so tomorrow, we're going to all do that tomorrow and, and uh, celebrate 75 years of CJOB. My good friend, Dr. Grant Pierce, says something uh, almost every time I hear him speak about the value of medical research. He always mentions the fact that we stand on the shoulders of the giants who came before us mm-hmm. in terms of the research that's being done here in Winnipeg. You know, they owe so much to so many and i think when you can have that conversation about a radio station somebody just said on the text line aren't you guys institutionalized now well i i i think we are Mm. is that fair Yeah, listen, I, I, you know, I don't know putting labels on things, and you know, I, I'm not so sure about that. All I know is that we are blessed. It, when it, when it comes to like, I, I made a comment about the passing of Rush Limbaugh, and I sure as hell did not believe with much uh, believe in uh, or agree with much of what he said. But I made the comment on the air that as a broadcaster, he was a big deal, right? And as broadcasters, the people that have worked on CJOB before us and to be working now, you, you need to understand Winnipeg Radio, period, is respected right across the country and around mm-hmm. the world. And then when you take CJOB, a news talk station, uh, I mean, it is big news um, when a change happens at CJOB. And, and in listening to this 40th anniversary audio that I just got, they go through the visit by the Pope and the Queen's visit and uh, Brian Mole. They go through all, you know, in, the, in covering the floods and the, and the blizzards. 
I mean, CGOB, let's face it, is, is this week is the one-year anniversary of COVID-19 becoming a pandemic. I, I mean, CGOB, I, I say, and I'll toot our own horn here, we have done, I think, a really good job of covering this pandemic. And that's what CJOB has done for 75 years. It's covered the important news, and it's talked about Winnipeggers and what Winnipeggers and Manitobans want to talk about. And you can talk with Hal between 12.30 and 3 on 680 CJOB. Hal, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Much appreciated. Thanks, guys. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is in for Courier. As part of our series of stories about the effects of COVID-19 on dis- different aspects of our lives, today we are looking at businesses and how things have changed for businesses over the past year. Yeah, adjustment, pivot, manage, closed, limited capacity, restrictions are some of the words used by business owners more than ever in the past 12 months. Phil Squarey's Lux Furniture business has been a part of the Winnipeg business landscape for several decades in our city, and his two locations of Lux Barbecue Company have been a huge success in this market. We say good morning to Phil. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, everybody. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, thanks for joining us. You're such a big part of our family here at CJOB, Phil. And and uh, forgive me in advance for uh, taking us down this road here, but I think it's important. Uh, your dad opened Wicker World uh, to the city back in 1997, and 2020 wasn't difficult enough for, for you. Uh, you had to say goodbye to your dad uh, l- last year, and, of course, condolences again, uh, Phil. Uh, I'm guessing you're still seeking seniors' guidance through this unprecedented time? Oh, yeah. You know, he was, uh, he was a huge role model, role, role model to me, and... Uh, well, you hit you hit me there early with that one, Greg. I didn't expect it, but yeah, no, he's uh, you know he was my best friend, and uh, I miss him a ton, and he's uh, he's sorely missed by us and our entire team. Well, first of all, condolences, Phil. I'm sorry to learn that news, but uh, in terms of in terms of changes that you've made through the pandemic to to just to deal with what we've all been dealing with, any changes that you've made which might end up being permanent? Well, yeah, you know, like there is, like obviously just just safety protocols in our, in our business, obviously that at the beginning of this all, we reviewed everything and there was some definitely, you know, I think like any company, there was some loose areas that we needed to tighten up and uh, we've done that, uh, you know, and obviously even when this is over, I think a lot of things, those things will change. You know, another big one for us is our furniture store. You know, we, we decided when this all started uh, and we were still maintaining business through the closure, like just with deliveries and not, not having people, we, we decided to close Sundays um, and, you know, we've actually just, we're going to be opening Sundays again for the spring, but summer and winter hours, we're going to stay closed Sundays. We're going to give our teams more time to rest. And I think a lot of the things that we forgot were important to us have become more important to us again through this. So, you know, little things like that, it's, uh, it just, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot, but those are some of the main ones that come to mind. You mentioned maybe rediscovering or finding something that you didn't realize was important to you and, and rekindling that or, or making that adjustment. You know, the life of an entrepreneur is not a, an easy one, but you have to be eternally optimistic. Have you had times where, where the optimism was at an all-time low, Phil? Oh gosh. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I've, I've, we've done a lot in business uh, in this city with our team and uh, I have never had to change. And, and as you mentioned the word pivot and come up with new solutions to things that I never thought I'd have to. 
And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just been it's been daunting. And you know, I don't want to sit here and pretend for one second that we're in a in a bad spot compared to so many businesses and friends that I know in business in this city because we are very fortunate to have a product that is. Um, you know, highly sought after during these times. But, you know, five months of closure at our furniture stores and being deemed essential at the first closure at our barbecue stores and then deemed non-essential at the next closure. Like, you know, these are these are things that you just can't even imagine. And and as good as the government programs were for helping us and other businesses in our community, and I want to say they were great and they did help us. They're not perfect. There's not one size fits all. But, you know, without them, a lot of businesses would have been in more trouble, including us. Um, you know, but, you know, the bottom line is just trying to navigate through that is it was is insane. Like I I've never had to deal with anything like that in my life. And it sure has forced us to look at our businesses in a different light and and make changes. And uh, I think we're good, hopefully going to be better for it. You mentioned that you have a sought-after product, I and mean, one of the things that we've seen during the pandemic is people uh, renovating their homes or perhaps building up their backyard into their little escape. So have people been coming to you for things like outdoor furniture or barbecues to finally build that backyard they always wanted? Yeah, absolutely. I, You know, I, um, I think just speaking with Greg a couple times over the last couple months, like our our products, you know, uh, are sought after right now. They're they're a product that people want. We we can't we can't go to restaurants right now, so we're cooking in our backyards. We're we're looking for experiences with our friends and our bubbles, and and that includes cooking. And we got to do it outside a lot of times. So so people are looking for that, and they're not traveling, so they're investing in their backyards and their homes and their cottages. So these are things that yeah, we are seeing an uptake in now. You know, I, I don't want to pretend that that's going to last forever. As soon as this vaccination hopefully helps and people start traveling again, we'll go back to normal. But in the meantime, yeah, we have a sought-after product. But, you know, the, the bottom line is, uh, guys, like, we, we can't get product half the time. Like, our, our supply chain is depleted so poorly. And uh, it's just been, it's been a tough battle that way as well. What a double whammy. Here you are. You, really, you could be selling even more product than, than what you can get your hands on. And uh, what better time for that to take place? And, and you're being forced to stand in line for, for product. How frustrating is that, Phil? Well, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. I, I've said often to a lot of our peers in our industry that we would have had our best year ever had we had we been able to get product, you know, like, but, and, and, you know, we stock more than any store in Western Canada, as far as what we sell barbecues and patio furniture, there's no one that stocks more than us here in Winnipeg. And we distribute to some of those stores sometimes. And, and we're trying to satisfy our own needs as well as theirs. And we can't, we can't even do it. So, you know, I, like I said, it, we're, we're very blessed to be in the position that we're in without the closures and the non-essential uh, um, specification for us. It, it would have been a, a stellar year had we been able to get product and everything. But yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're plugging along and again, very grateful to, to be in the industry that we're in. Phil Squarey from Lux Furniture and Lux Barbecue Company joining us live on 680 CJOB. Phil, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, sir. I, I can't thank you guys enough, and congratulations on your anniversary as well. It's, uh, it's an awesome station. We listen to it all the time. Thank you very much, Phil. That means a lot. And uh, the website's, by the way, luxfurniture.ca. That's spelled L-U-X-E. Or luxbarbecue.ca. That's luxbbq.ca. They've got the best stuff, and they've got excellent service. Phil, thank you so much for taking the time. 8.57 on 680 CJOB.
Mackling and McGarry McNabb's in for Courier. Before we reveal our winner, we got a couple of runners up here as well on the funny or weird places you've fallen asleep. Fallen asleep? <laughs> a sweep? <laughs> uh, fallen asleep uh, for a chance to win two tickets for Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park. I just got to run this past you, Greg. I just got a message on Twitter, a DM. Someone has slid into the DMs. Oh, it's, oh it's from someone named Cheryl, and the handle is at Cheryl79162695789. I don't know. And, and it says, I'm just looking for a very serious relationship that would last forever. That's Should it? I accept this message? I have block a report, delete, or accept. If that's all she's looking for, <laughs> doesn't sound like anything too major. <laughs> yeah, this is garbage. Get out of here. All those numbers don't it, it indicate uh, a lifelong commitment is in the offing for you, Brett McGarry. Why so suspicious? Uh, lifelong commitment with identity theft, maybe. <laughs> yes. In the meantime, oh, and Sandy, I haven't heard back from Sandy. I remember she texted us yes. a couple weeks ago about her daughter. Oh, that's she right. She set me up with her daughter, so uh-huh. I'll have to find out what's going on there. And my brother just texted in. He's listening, and he confesses that he may have fallen asleep at a red light or two in the milk truck when he was uh, delivering milk from time to time back in the day. So Was that a family business? Yeah, it was actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> Mackling Milk Brothers. All right. So we've got three techs here, two runners up, and our winner. Greg, why don't you read our runners up on uh, the weird and funny places we've fallen asleep? Sounds great. This is from Diane. Uh, morning, Greg and Brett. The most awkward place I've fallen asleep was in my grade 10 biology class. I was sitting at the back of the class. Good move. It was warm in the room, and my teacher was a bit boring. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, next thing I remember was a classmate waking me up as the teacher had thrown several pieces of chalk at me, which didn't wake me up. The entire class burst out laughing, and needless to say, I was quite embarrassed. Have an awesome day. You have an awesome day as well, Diane. Thanks for sharing that with us. And then uh, Roy, sorry, Roy, I'm reading your name. You shared it. So um, he admits this. I am a retired Winnipeg transit driver. Over my 29 years, I grabbed a few minutes of sleep where I could. We had long days with... The split shifts we did. That's right. Remember that. One yeah. time I was quite tired, and when I got to the end of the line, I set the alarm on my watch for 10 minutes. I looked over the <laughs> arm of my glasses and laid down on the long seat adjacent to the driver's seat where I couldn't be seen. Well, I set it to a.m. instead of p.m. Mm. and woke up 20 minutes late. I was supposed to already be downtown. Oops. I had to tell passengers I had... Remember, Roy, I had problems with the bus. Well, Roy, thank you so much for that honesty. And this next one actually also involves a bus, and this is from Jamie. This is our winner. Jamie, you are our winner. And Jamie says, good morning, you awesome people. 30 years ago as a student, I was a regular heading out to the U of M. And about seven times in a row, I kept hearing this great big bang every three minutes or so. I looked around as it seemed others were acknowledging to me that they too heard the noise. Finally, on the biggest bang, the bus driver, plowing down Pembina, yells out, Who is making that noise? Please stop! (laughs) Girl behind me finally taps me on the shoulder and said to me, I think, and how sweet of her to put it so unaccusingly when she witnessed the truth over the last half hour. I think you are falling asleep, and every time your head hits the window and there's a big bang on the window. So I laughed, a little embarrassed. I apologized to the bus driver and everyone else. They smiled, I guess being a single mom, working a job, and trying to go to school 
is just a little tiring. So I kept falling asleep. The bus driver who knew me, as it was the same time, same driver in time for three years, he actually brought me a pillow a few days later with his wife. Oh, how kind is that? And I'm imagining the days of the older buses with the big, big windows and the great big mechanism to open and close the windows. And you remember how those buses would used to rattle and shake yeah. down Winnipeg's very smooth roadways? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jamie, I shouldn't be laughing, but that's a terrific story. In fact, it's, uh, in our judgment, the best st- story we received this morning. So congratulations, Jamie. You win the two tickets for Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park. And I can relate to Jamie because I remember I had to take the bus home. I uh, was out drinking with a buddy. He, he said he was going to get me home. Turns out he just left me outside the gap at Polo Park, so I had to hop a bus downtown and then a bus to Transcona from downtown. But on the bus from Polo Park to downtown, my head kept hitting the window and I heard these girls laughing at me until I finally opened my eyes and gave them the stink eye and they stopped. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.